everyone welcome to the smile project a podcast from school of dentistry i'm you thank you for joining us today this podcast is all about holistic dental education on the go this would enhance your knowledge and attitude not only towards dentistry but life as a whole tune in to hear and learn from specialists from various fields of dentistry sharing their experience and discussing topics in the realm of dentistry also we have in store a small dose of inspire and influence a section for good quotes and productivity tips so let's begin Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Small Project. Joining us today is Dr. Dean Deng, an IMU alumnus from DT116, who will be sharing with us his trials and the triumphs throughout dental school, comparing what it's like to work in a government clinic versus the safe space of IMU's OHC, as well as imparting some practical advice which extends not just to dental school, but also to our lives as a whole. Before I proceed with the interview, please allow me to briefly introduce Dean. He is currently working as a general dentist at Klinik Bergigian Cahaya Surya at, with the Ministry of Health. Having said that, Dean has experiences in a diverse range of fields other than dentistry, from working in customer service to being a tutor. As if the, those were not impressive enough, he headed many events as a dental student, such as the annual school-wide charity event Chair Affair 2020, the National Dental InterVarsity Games 2019, and on top of that, He was also the master ceremony for TEDxMU 2018. I have been calling him Dean because he dislikes being addressed as a doctor and well, we just want to keep things casual. With that, Dean, welcome to the podcast. Hi everyone, hi Aiden and hi Denise. It's nice meeting you on this podcast and thanks for having me today. So Dean, you have been practicing um as a full full-fledged qualified general dentist now for a few months yeah yeah right. and you started uh just a few months after you graduated right yeah so how does it feel like to to transition from being a dental student to being a fully paid dentist well i i, I like how you wait you you word it fully paid i mean i was a bit lucky and actually my batch was a bit lucky we finished by the end of december and between my graduation as a, like my last clinical session until my start of work it was actually like a seven months of waiting so i would have to describe that the transition was rather okay for me because um i was immediately found, i found a job after that but then to let everyone know that how i felt the moment um i came out from the exam was that If anyone of you are listening to this and you're from IMU, you could imagine the moment you step up of OHC, then you look up to the sky from the atrium. That was my feeling. I felt like a total emptiness. Because before that, it was like, oh, I have this quota to do. I have that exam coming up and I have to study this tonight. But that moment I was like, oh, I don't have to do anything. But what am I going to do? So I was lucky I found a job and then um to being called a doctor and get a full paid job that felt that definitely felt like a dream come true. Um because I always wanted to do a job that can give me quite like a instant gratification uh comparing to medicine. But then again, 
um, when you have a full paid job, um, your life opens up a lot. Thank you, Dean. So, seeing as you're currently working on the, under the Ministry of Health, I'm sure there are certain skills or perhaps even certain attributes that were not taught in dental school that required you to adapt and to make changes accordingly. Do you know some of these skills which you had to learn on the fly since moving on from IMU into the government sector? And like, how did you overcome all these doubts and insecurities during that transition? I, I think from tra- being transitioned from a student to a dental dentist like a dental practitioner in the government service is that um, people when you're studying as a student you're so lucky in school because the situation that was given to you the, the environment was so ideal yes when i was in my fourth year we did visit um, the government clinics we know that certain skills were definitely not i wouldn't say required or like you won't expect yourself to do a certain task that way. For example, for example, um, you've if you've done complete dentures or any dentures, you know that you take bite with certain materials, right? But in government, we use stapler to secure the bite. So we know that. I knew that when I was in my first fourth year. But then now that I'm doing it in the clinic, clinic, it felt very surreal. But hey, it gets the job done, you see. So. That's one. And another thing is, okay, how many of you are so competent about taking an x-ray, let's say an IOPA, whether you're doing a paralink technique or whether you're doing a bisecting. But then I can tell anyone who's now in IMU, you'll be doing paralink technique, right? Because you have the holder. But in government, we don't have it. So we are doing all the bisecting technique all the time. And you don't have a holder, you're asking your patient to use their thumb to secure the film. Yes, doctor may teach you how to remember like which angle to put your cone. But sometimes when you're in the clinic, especially the government sector, we have to make do with what we have. So you have to do that. And that was slightly like a big leap for me because you felt like, oh wow, if I would have this, this could be done like more perfectly. But hey, there's no perfect in dentistry. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, dental school is like you're in a cocoon. Yes. And then yes. like when you graduate, it's like you're being released into like the cold, harsh world. Yeah, yeah. And and the moment you take your first flight, it felt easy, but then the patient don't know that you're actually on your first day. Hmm. You get what I mean? Yeah. They but just, you're on a full paid job. They just hear the term doctor, they just assume like you're like completely competent, you know absolutely yes, what yes. you're doing. But the reality is when you're when you are treating your first actual patients, you're also kind of like freaking out in that chair. Yeah. And you're wondering like, yeah. am I doing the right thing right now? Yeah. And whatever you do, that's on you. There's no supervisors to guide you anymore. There's no but the good thing about myself is that we have I have a very good supporting system there. Like my colleagues, my seniors were very, very helpful. Um, maybe most of you wouldn't expect that, oh, like they would tell you, oh, you might get bullied, the seniors are not nice, or the DSAs are not nice, or maybe you're experiencing this in IMU. But um, the truth is, the truth is, um, you know that you're the first, it's your first day or your first week. You have to be okay with yourself that 
um, there are times that people's gonna scold you. There will be, and there will be times where you need like an extra five minute to to work on this extraction. But it's always keeping your mind open, and of course, if you're not in school, use as much as you can of time to practice it, so that when you come out, you you have that mental preparedness. You know, like you said, your your patients do not know that it's yeah. the first day. Correct. But they have like this sort of expectation from you yep. to perform like an experienced dentist. So you know, like also the general public, whenever they hear the the title doctor, they think of someone who is formidable and quite intimidating with like all knowledge at hand and everything. But what do you think about that? Having have the the title on you now. I think um, in our population. I do believe that patients still respect doctors a lot, especially when you serve the public. And the the scary part is sometimes patients they have like six cents. They know that you're new. <laughs> and and I think keeping yourself cool is one thing, and to know that you can handle a situation regardless where whether you're super, being supervised. Or you're on your own. Um, you can only prove yourself by keep doing it. For example, the, the the easiest example I can give you is that if you're now in school, practice a lot, a lot on your giving LAs, like your blocks, your infiltrations, and yes, in school you give topical anesthesia, but we don't in the government. You just give the LA. But if you're very competent in doing that. Even though the patient could sense that you're new, but you can also be a very good new doctor, right? So that's the difference. And how you talk to the patient is also another thing. For me, yes, doctors are very knowledgeable, but sometimes admitting that you need time or you need to find out more, and when you communicate with patient, that's how it builds the rapport. It doesn't really matter if you really immediately know the solution, but You're telling the patient like, hey, you know, I'm not really sure about this, but of course you cannot say I don't know. <laughs> you said, you know, I'm not really sure about this, but this is what I know, and and we'll work together and and find out the solution. So, in that sense, even though in it's in a short amount of time, like you only have like five minutes to talk to your patient because your DSA will be rushing you to get the 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 cuts finished. So, by keep doing it. It builds your confidence, and yes, slowly you earn your title as a doctor. Yeah, I think, I think like、um, we live in a culture in a society whereby if you do not know something, like what can you do? But I think as you know, like as dentists, as doctors, we have to admit that we our knowledge can be limited, and that's the only way we can、um, improve ourselves. Exactly. By acknowledging that.、Um, There's a limit to our、yes. knowledge, and then further like improving it. And and, and Denise, you pointed out something very important here. There's patient's expectation, and you having your own expectation. Maybe you not you're not able to meet your expectation, but if you're able to give what patients want, by the end of the day, the patient will still be satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. But you also mentioned like 
it's not just about being competent in yourself and knowing how to do the proper techniques, but it's also very much how the way you carry yourself, yeah. how you present yourself to the patient. I think that's also what can instill some confidence in the patients. And even if, say, like you mentioned, you may not know how to do a certain thing or you're not too certain on certain procedures, but if you present it in a way like to the patient, like, look, I don't, I'm not too sure how we can proceed, but if we can work together to solve this, I think we can reach a very favorable outcome. So it's really a matter also like how you present yourself. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah. And there are also times when you are certain about certain thing and the patient still doesn't believe you. And that's the moment where you need to bring in your supervisor or second doctor to be there and, 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 and give the patient a little bit of confidence there. I think there are a lot of factors at play. Like Correct. apart from being skillful, you need to gain the patient's trust yeah. and build like a relationship with the patient. So I know that you worked in customer service before. Yeah. How has that helped you to build a better rapport with your patients? Denise, I really like the way you ask this question because having my experience in customer service was more than just being an eye-opener because rather than you knowing how to talk to a person, um, the skills that was trained that I trained with being a customer ex- service executive was that there are times where situations you can handle and there are also situations that you can't handle. And and we always term this like oh, the irate customer. It's like the patient or the customer came to you already angry. God knows what happened in their life. You get what I'm saying? Before seeing you. Yes. So the skills that I had being a customer service execu- executive was that there are times where you can handle, that's fine. Because sometimes patients are your customers, isn't it? But there are also times where from the start, you already know this patient or this customer is more than you can handle. So it's the fact that you can ask for help. That's one thing. Know your limitation. And like I said, God knows what happened to them. You won't be able to handle, but it's okay. And don't put yourself on the part where like you're on being judged. If you know what I'm saying. Like sometimes... You can't handle the situation and it's okay. But don't put it as, oh my god, like, it's my fault. Like, because when we, when I dealt with a lot of customers, there are times where you felt like, if you do this, then we could achieve this together. But then again, there are times where people don't believe you. And sometimes people want to just show off. So they just want to be like, oh, actually, I know more than you. I'm just here to teach you a lesson. And you know, there are people like that. What I'm trying to say is, you deal with a lot of people and sometimes don't be too hard on yourself. Oh man, I, I absolutely dislike those people who think they know everything based on reading like Google. Yeah, they exactly. Go, oh, I know what's a root canal therapy. You know, I think I should have that. It's like, do you really you know, leave that to the actual people who are qualified to make that, that call? Mm, yeah, I agree. Gaining a patient's trust is also like important. Yeah. So, Definitely your skills do play a role in that, a very big role. So if a patient sees that you take such a long time yeah. to complete a treatment, the patient be like, are you competent enough to treat me or my family members? 
So for me, I take about three hours or more right. now as an amateur to like complete a drill and feel, and yet the results is still imperfect. But we are expected to do the same or even better when we graduate in a much so- shorter period yeah, of time. Yeah, right. So, how does it feel like being constantly on a time crunch? How does it feel like having a patient, you know, expecting you to do such a good job in a short period of time and having your DSA rushing you in a sense? I thought about this question many times and. I finally found a way to describe it. If any one of you watch the Pirates of the Caribbean, then you know that when when and Captain Jack Sparrow is trying to steer his ship through a storm on the sea, right? That's how you feel like it's like you have to take care of the wind, you have to take care of your crew, you have to take care of the 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 the, the way you the the direction you're going. So that felt like that when I was under that time crunch that you were saying because your DSA will be staring at you. The patient still have to hold their own suction, and then you have to do a good job. Okay, I won't say like a proper morphology carving or anything, but you still have to do a good job because if the feeling come out the next day, um, the doctor who's gonna serve your patient knows that it's you, and there's so many things you have to take care and then more patients waiting outside some patient will walk in and say like hey how come my number has not been called yet so but like i said you said that you took three hours i took three hours when i was back in school and that's okay because that's the time needed to wait in the queue for supervision and also there are times where you need to know oh is this deep enough is this pop yet things like pulp exposure, things like uh, soft carries, hard carries. These are the things that you have to work on by training this, knowing this as your second nature. I mentioned about second nature to my friend before and they say like, what's that? I was like, okay, imagine if you're fast enough that it's your second nature, you see, you know this is how deep. You know that this is something you can remove. This is something not and this is a pulp exposure and not a perforation. That saves a lot of time. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think like, you know, people say doing things like dentistry and medicine, it's a lot of theory and all that. But I think your instincts play a role too. Yeah, like, definitely. Trusting yourself. Correct. And once you got that, it saves a lot of time. And most of the time, like now, if you ask me, a class, simple class one takes me five minutes. Wow. A class two will be more about eight to ten minutes. And if it's class 3 or incisal class 4, okay, that's more like 15 minutes because you first you need to take care of the aesthetics. And you have to take care of the isolation, you know, and polishing. So that requires more time, but that's okay if you take 3 hours because that's the time you need to train. And that's one part of it only. Another part is what kind of material you have. <laughs> so just simply saying, you spend a lot of time maybe doing rubber dam but maybe in other situation you don't get to do rubber dam so it also is a thing that plays in the time factor so let's say if you're now in school take as much of your time to train yourself putting a rubber dam alone <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can, I can definitely tell you, Dean, like in my sessions, that three hour sessions, we have to do like a composite restoration. 
I think one hour of that session can be just trying to put on a rubber dam. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's awful. And wasting so many rubber dams. Correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you also mentioned something on how it becomes second nature to a person. Yeah. And would you say that that all comes down to really just exposing yourself to those experiences time and time again to the point where you already know like okay what this situation is and you just know how to handle it. So it just comes down to basically exposing yourself. Yeah. Constantly. And and like what Aiden was mentioning, right? Um, in dental school, it's the place you experience all your first times, first time doing an RCT, first time doing denture, first time seeing maybe just a tata, you know, first time doing a very 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 gross um, lidicate tooth. So, all these things are your first time. So take the opportunity when you're back in school. If you ask me, things that I would have done. I would have tried more crowns and bridges,、hmm. because now that I've developed some interest in that, so make sure you you keep exposing yourself. If you see a case interested, talk to your doctors and and find out more. That's the best time now. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure, like stepping out into the real world and working in a clinic, an actual clinic, um, you you know you face a lot of. New experiences and new obstacles that you have never expected yourself to,、um, you know, have to go through. Like, how how do you overcome all these doubts and insecurities that come along with these new experiences? How do you adapt? In terms of doubts, right? Like we talked about, sometimes you have to admit that you're not perfect. Like you can never be perfect in dentistry, because. One thing, especially like when I also work as a customer service, right? Meeting someone else's expectation to a hundred percent is, I think, I would say, is impossible. You can only try, and there are times where you think you did a good job, but maybe in the end, the patient didn't want it. So, when you have doubts like that, sometimes you work by communication. And if it's your own doubt, like oh no, I don't really know this, um, you you have to be nice to yourself. You have to be kind to yourself. You cannot be, you cannot be a general dentist. Okay, maybe someone else there is, but I, that's what at least that's what I'm telling myself. I cannot be very good at RCT, at dentures, at implant, at MOS, everything good at the same time. There are times where. And it's okay that you have some weaknesses in certain parts of it. Like maybe Denise, I don't know. Maybe you're good at certain thing, but maybe you are not good at a different treatment for dental. What I'm saying, and maybe Aiden as well. Everyone is different, but it's whether you want to work on your weaknesses or not. When you have doubts, sometimes for now, if you ask me as a general dentist, yes, I would definitely work on my weaknesses because. That's the difference between general dentistry and specialized dentistry. When you are in a specialty, you have already admitted that you are not really good or interested in other things. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sorry, doctor, if you're listening to this, but if you're yeah, so it's that. That's the truth. But now, and you, for me, and you, right? Your student and I'm just a general dentist. I think you work on it. Like you can be good in. I mean, I won't say very good, but just good in everything. And once you level them up, right, your doubts will really reduce by a lot. Yeah, I think it's also a journey of accepting yourself、yeah. for who you are. And yeah, 
you and Dean, you also mentioned you talked a lot about having doubts and insecurities. But was there any time during your dental journey where you faced so much doubt in yourself, you really questioned your ability, like, is this the course that you really wanted to pursue? So were there any moments like that for you? There, yes, you're right, Aiden. There, there were moments, there were, I think, three or four, three to four moments. The first one was more significant. That was when I was in SAM 3, when I first started my clinic sessions. Um, like we mentioned, you take three hours for a simple composite, right? And then your patients will be thinking, huh, this student can or not, can or not. Even though you may did, you may already have done a very good composite feeling, but still you go home and you doubt yourself because is this what I want, isn't it? Or am I suitable? But the truth is, like I said, there are many first times in this experience when you're a student. I think it's okay to doubt yourself and whether this is suitable for you, but it boils down to whether when you wake up the next morning, right? Are you still happy to continue? So you have to ask yourself this question. But if you ask me now, I'm super happy because there are times where I give a very painless LA, the tooth come out like in one minute. It just fills me up with joy. Like the whole day I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm good, I'm good, you know? So that's that. But of course there are times where it's not good, then you'll be like, but, but what I'm trying to say is when there are bad times, don't let them doubt your decision. But of course, you need to admit that if you're doing this, right, at least you need to be confident that you're practicing dentistry at least for 15 years, right? Nobody wants to go through a five years course and then you come out and say like, Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> at, at what point for you did you realize this was definitely it? That there was no doubts anymore that dentistry was for you? It only started... Um, okay, there are two moments. The first moment was before I entered the course because I worked as DSA and I assisted my boss and I felt that the instant gratification was very good. Maybe it was a pain or maybe it was an aesthetic. And if you could deliver that, which I think dental is so interesting because it's your, your, you need to be an artist, then you need to be a doctor. You know? And sometimes you have to treat your patient like a family member. So those are the things that cheers me up a lot. That's the moment, the first moment. And then the second moment is when I finally get to see my first patient in IMU. And it felt like, oh wow, I can handle this, you know? And of course you have your friend who's there to support you, right? But, but if you're enjoying this kind of thing, because purely I'm telling you, dentistry is a very heavy on service. It's a career heavily on service. If you're happy giving service to people, then you will find the moment. Yeah, I see. Thank you, Dean. So, I know like, before you actually went for dentistry, you actually did a bit of medicine before yeah. like like what made you switch courses because i know dentistry and medic medicine are closely related but what is the defining difference between these two that you pick dentistry over medicine um dennis to be honest when i first mm, i would say finished my high school life and 
was thinking what I want to do in life. I really wanted to be a doctor and that's why I spoke to my parent and my dad sent me to UK for A-levels and I got my spot in medicine. But then life was not as smooth for me that after my first year in medicine, we had some financial issues so we I couldn't continue so I came back and I worked. That was one of the darkest moments in my life. I felt like I'm a fallen angel, like I was flying and suddenly I'm on the ground. But the difference between medicine and dentistry was like I said, I started to work as a dental assistant, right? Even though when I was doing my medicine, I liked how I like to do things on hands-on work. And the moment I was exposed to dentistry, I saw my boss doing all the hands-on work. I felt like I'm more like a doctor. Okay, doctor per se, like dentist, you know. And I asked myself if I were to continue in the medical field, would I still choose medicine or would I switch to dentistry? My answer was very clear. I wanted to do dentistry because I like the hands-on. And just by illustrating it, I like to give LAs. I like to give injection, especially um, when I was back in my tr- medical training, I wanted to be an anesthetist. I wanted to be on a surgical team, but then doing all the supporting work. So if you ask me if I, if I have a chance to live in alternate in an alternate universe, maybe the dean in that universe could have been an anesthetist, you know, but in this universe, if you ask me of what I've been through in life, I would still pick dentistry. I think your story is like a reflection of, you know, strength yeah. and perseverance through difficult times. You know, having to, you know, go to the UK and study A levels and you got into medical school all from your hard work and just to come back here again and start anew, it must have been very difficult. But you persevered and you, you know, adapted to changes you found you try to find jobs and all that how is that like finding jobs you know out there because i know like being a student you have the comforts of just being in a uni but like when sometimes you're picking the uni but when you're working for someone you have you need them to pick you so how is that like having to put yourself out there and you know um having someone determine whether you're good enough for them how's that like i wow i'm so happy that i'm speaking on this podcast and the question you asked are so so on point and to give everyone who's listening to this right i don't think anyone else would tell you this but here i'm giving it to you um you have to think about a few questions one thing would be that when you grow up people's definitely going to be choosing you. It's not you choosing people. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is what will I put on my resume? It sounds very practical. And by saying resume, right, there are two types of things that you can put there. One is the experience that you had. You ask yourself what kind of person you want to become and find out the skills that was needed. Like for me, 
I like communication. I like to talk to people. So service was one of it. And I pursue my customer service as one. And another thing would be like whether language skills are important. Technical skills like computer skills, designing. If you're more artsy, definitely go for like Photoshop, online content creation. And what I'm saying is, it's not just purely putting it on the resume by doing projects. Show people. That's the site for you to find jobs. But if you're asking me about dental, like, hey, Dean, this is a dental podcast, right? Fine. I'm telling you, as a student, there's so many opportunities because you can take as much time as three hours to take pre-op picture, post-op picture, you know, collect all these things. It may look very simple, but it's okay because what your future employees gonna sorry, employers want to see is that progression that perseverance that oh wow okay your first composite was like this but then hey after five years it was like this so that's the thing that you need to put on and another thing would be knowing your own interests if you are interested in dental per se that you want to do aesthetic for myself I'm really interested in aesthetic so when there is the time I would try to take pictures and then I would show but like I said right now for dental the downside about dental dentistry is that we are not like a performing art field where you can sing to impress people and you can dance or you can put on TikTok right but you need to think about it that way if you want to show the world what you like to do, you definitely have to start taking pictures, videos, posting on social media professionally, okay? Um, because that doesn't just prove to yourself that, hey, I'm competent because these are the things that I did before. But at the same time, you're telling the world that you may be one of the best people doing this thing. So if the person who's looking for this kind of treatment you can build that kind of trust and people will approach you. Yeah. Exactly. Speaking of social media, right? Social media plays such an important role in, you know, showing what you do yeah. and proving your best, putting your best work out there, your best foot forward. But at the same time, it comes with com- the culture of comparison, comparing yourself to others. With social media, you can, you know, the names, the work of thousands of dentists is at your fingertips. So, you tend to compare yourself oh like my composite isn't as good like why can't I do the same why can't this be better why is this person so good but but I guess like everyone you know they only post what is their best on social media so what is your thoughts of the culture of comparison in dentistry the culture of comparison would not only exist in dentistry it exists where humans are (laughs) so no one can control that but the truth is because social media is at your fingertips um, you really need to know that as a social media user in this digital age right that people are only showing their best no one's gonna show their mistakes no one's gonna want to talk about their mistakes and god knows how long they have been practicing to produce such good work so rather than like if you're listening to this rather than spending a lot of time comparing yourself why not celebrate other people's achievements 
and knowing that you're celebrating them, you could be one of them, right? So yeah, yeah so so it's the comparison will definitely be there. Like your mom's gonna compare your results to someone else's daughter, right? But hey, that has to change from our generation. Let's celebrate it, and the person who can produce such hard work, like realistically, the person has so much good materials. Like, do you have the same materials? Do you have the same training? The person may spend like thirty years trying to be good at just composite, but maybe the denture you make is better than his. You know, so stop comparing. Celebrate their. Their, their achievements and knowing that you could be one of them I think that's the most important thing as a social media user now yeah I think it's looking beyond what meets the eye yeah yeah Paul thank you very much Dean you've definitely shared a lot of advice for us and I've definitely learned a lot especially when it comes to building up that confidence in how you treat patients your approach to treating patients and how you it's all about the way you present yourself, and also just developing that skill throughout dental school. It doesn't matter if it takes three hours to do a composite the first time, but over time, as you practice more, you'll definitely make it through in like fifteen minutes in the future. Uh, on that note, I, we have just one more question for you, right? And that is: Is there any advice you would like to give to any of the IMU dental juniors, or really any dental students in general, so they can better prepare themselves for the future? and what this dental journey entails. I think to give you as a listener from IMU or just any dental student, if you don't take anything from this podcast, just take one thing. Um, record all the things that you did. Um, knowing how to document your cases will help you. Um, there are people who start learning about dental photography, but um, rather than that, finding out more on or I would say knowing more types of treatment options would definitely help you you don't need to be good at it now but at least you know things like airflow for perio you know for microabrasion for um, aesthetic so knowing more types of treatment would help you in the future and the last thing that I would say would be that if you're not already in dentistry, maybe you're in SEM1 or maybe you're already finishing SEM10, um, there are moments in life that you would face as checkpoints on whether you want to continue doing dentistry. Um, never doubt what has already happened. Acknowledge it. And there are more things in life than just dentistry. It's okay. Um, just that if you're able to pull through the five years I would also be here to celebrate it with you and that's definitely an achievement if you have already accomplished it or if you're going to accomplish it and if you felt that no one if you felt that you're the only person who's suffering from doubts and insecurities know that it's not just you, everyone in the field or everyone in this life would feel the same. So you are definitely not alone. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And thank you so much for all your insights and you know, being so willing to share, being vulnerable in this podcast. And it was really such a pleasure chatting with you today. And thank you for taking your time 
off your busy schedule just to, you know, talk to us. No problem. Thank you, uh, Dennis, and thank you, Aiden, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in on this episode. Thanks, IMU, for having me as well. Thank you once again, everyone, for tuning into the Smile Project with Denise and myself. We hope this episode motivates you in your journey throughout dental school and inspires you to persevere regardless how tiring it can be to keep up with our studies, practicals, and clinics. Know that all of these challenges will be worthwhile in the end, and Dean is a great example of that. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give The Smart Project a follow on Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook. Do share this week's episode on your social media, and do not forget to tag us while you're at it. See you on the next episode. Bye! Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Smile Project. We hope you enjoyed. If you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your family and friends and leave a rating or review. Thank you once again. I'll see you next time.